Lynn Hiles Ministries presents That You Might Have Life. He said he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. So Jesus came that we might have life. The Bible said in him was life, the life was the light of men. The more light you have, the more life you're going to have. So you can have peace was on me. That's why it's called the gospel of peace. He took your punishment so you could get his peace. He took what you had coming so you could get what he has coming. All around the country and around the world, people just like you are awakening to the good news of Jesus Christ. What God wanted to do was release the kingdom of God in your life until the joy and the peace and the righteousness of the Holy Ghost would so fill your life. I don't want to just make heaven my home. I want to make my home like heaven. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for taking time to join us again today on the program. I, I trust you've been blessed by the word that we're sharing uh, as we consistently begin to unfold and unpack some things from the book of Revelation for the last several weeks. We've been continuing a series dealing with the book of Revelation from the viewpoint of redemption. And uh, especially for the last several weeks, we've been dealing with the church at Smyrna and uh, the word that the Lord placed on my heart, especially for most of all of last year, was the word repentance. And I know that's a bad word for a lot of grace guys, but the truth of it is, is that that word does not have with it any bad connotations. It simply means that we need to metanoia, change the way we think or to change one's bent. And I believe that when he tells that to the churches in Revelation, that the concept of repentance is not just for sinners, but it is for the church. Uh, let me just say by way of reference that you can go back and uh, watch any of the programs that we have archived to date. Uh, they are on our website and the web address will be on the screen at lynnhouse.com and every program we have aired to date is available there uh, on, our pro on our website or you can go to YouTube and follow us, subscribe to our page and go back for the last 12 if you want to watch the series on Revelation and I believe you'll be blessed by them. Also you can go to iTunes and subscribe to our iPodcast and what that is is the audio version of what we're teaching on the television program and on the broadcast. You can also go to our website or call the number on the screen. There's a book I wrote in 2007 called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And most of the stuff that you're hearing, we're teaching from that book. I suggest you could get that book, follow along with us. You could also, uh, a lot of people are teaching it in their Bible studies on Wednesday night or in their cell groups. And uh, it's blessing a lot of people because it's really a, a viewpoint of redemption that's probably a, a, a you know, I believe helping people see a very positive side of the book of Revelation. Uh, John the Apostle writes to them, he said, You're blessed if you read and understand the words of the prophecy of this book. Everything I ever read from the book of Revelation was not always, uh, didn't always bless me. But whenever I really began to realize what it's really about, I really did begin to be joyful and receive the blessing of reading this book. I'm going to come back uh, and touch just one more thing here yet in the book of uh, at the church of Smyrna before uh, we move on to the church, the next church at Pergamos. But I want to read the text first. Re uh, Revelation, the second chapter says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. 
Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto the death, and I will give you a, give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, I've, I've really dealt with a great deal of stuff about suffering in this church because the word Smyrna itself literally means the bitterness of suffering or suffering. And we've dealt with the suffering side of this church. The one thing that I'm after, uh, I think, today is I want to share with you a little bit yet before we close out this one. Uh, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. With that thought, I want to take you to Romans, the second chapter. And uh, I want to go to verse number, uh, I believe it is, uh, verse 26 of Romans chapter 2. says, Therefore, if, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. Now here's what I'm after, verse 28. He is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So here's the apostle Paul. And he's saying to these uh, folks here at Rome, he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. What the church at Smyrna is repenting about is, they're repenting about, there are them who say they're Jews and they're not, but they are liars and they are the synagogue of Satan. I also uh, wanted to share another scripture that is quite confirmation to that. John, St. John, chapter number 8, and verse number uh Verse number 39 through 44, it says this. It says, They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus saith unto them, Now this is the Jews, this is the uh, folk who think they're the true descendants of Abraham. He, says, uh, he said, if, Abraham, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. And then said they to him, We are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my words? Watch this. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it, because I tell you the truth, you believe me not, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. I think it is incredible that he simply says to them, 
Uh, you say you're Abraham's children. You think you're Abraham's seed, but the truth of it is, is that you're not doing the stuff of Abraham. You are not. And then they begin to say, no, no, God, we're not, we're not born of fornication. God is our father. And Jesus says to them, if God was your father, you'd love me. In other words, if you had the right genetic, the DNA, you'd recognize me. And then he goes on to say, you're of your father, the devil. I believe that's what he's addressing here at the church of Smyrna. He's saying to them who say they're Jews and they're not, but they're synagogues of Satan. In other words, if, you, if the devil lives in you, if you're of your father the devil, you're a synagogue of Satan. You're either a synagogue of God or you're a synagogue of Satan. Now the bottom line to me is, is that if the devil is living in them, then they are not the Jew that he's talking to because the Jew is not one who just has a super, or not just one who has a natural birth. He tells them in the scripture, he said for uh, not see as of many, I believe it is in Galatians. Uh, let's, let's go over here real quickly into the book of Galatians. I believe it is in the third chapter of Galatians. He says to them, uh, Wherefore, let me see, uh, verse 26, chapter 3, book of Galatians says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, watch this. If you be Christ's, and if you be Christ's possession Christ, if you belong to Him, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you see the promise was made over here not to seeds as of many but to one seed. Uh, verse number let me just get this to you in Galatians 3 verse 16 it says now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made and he saith not and to seeds as of many but as of, but as of one to thy seed which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. He said that the seed of Abraham is not seeds as of many, but one seed, and thy seed which is Christ. And if you are Abraham's seed, then you are heirs according to the promise. And if you are not Christ, you do not belong to him, then you are not a Jew. You are a synagogue of Satan. What he's dealing with here simply is that the, 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 the real Jew that Revelation chapter 2 is talking about is those who've had a supernatural birth. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Not seeds as of many, but thy seed which is Christ. It did not come through the lineage of the natural seed, but it came through the lineage of Christ. And I just, want to, I just wanted to declare that to you just a little bit. It's not natural circumcision that avails anything, but the Jew is those who are born of God. And so we'd say, well, Brother House, you know, uh, what, about, what about Romans 11? So we're going to deal with Romans 11 just a little bit because people accuse us a lot of times of, of preaching what they call replacement theology. 
Now let me say to you, I don't preach replacement theology, I preach placement theology. Because I believe that whether you're a Jew or a Greek, there's only one way into the covenants of promise, and that's through the blood of Jesus. There is not a special deal on the table for any particular ethnic group. God is not a racist. He does not choose one ethnic group above another ethnic group in the sense of, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he is not, not anti-Palestinian. In other words, he includes all men. What he did was he just, and he, he didn't exclude the Jews. He just drew a bigger circle. So there's only one name given under heaven by which men can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. So that whether you're a Greek or a Gentile or a Jew, you must be born again. And if you don't have that supernatural birth, then you are of your father, the devil. And the truth of it is, as he's simply saying to them here in the book of Revelation, I know the blasphemy of them that say they're Jews and they're not, but they're the synagogue of Satan. So what God literally does is He drew a bigger circle and says, you know what? It's not by natural birth, it's by supernatural birth. It's not, you know, I would say this to you as well, and this shocks people sometimes, but the truth of it is, is we need to even look at Jesus who is the firstborn of this brand new species. Jesus, listen folks, listen, Jesus was not a Jew. Now his mother was Jewish, but his father was God. So that would make him half Jewish on his mother's side, but on his father's side, he was born of the Spirit. So the truth of it is, you and I have got the same father that Jesus has. Joseph was not Jesus' natural father. God was his father, just like God is our father. So the deal that I'm trying to point out to you is simply this, the Jew is you. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know your Abraham's seed, if you don't know your heirs according to the promise, if you don't know your Abraham's seed, then you certainly don't know that your inheritance belongs to you, that even the law which was added and all the promise that God made to Abraham through the fathers, that the law which came 400 years later could not disannul the promise because God told Abraham, you're going to have a seed. And that seed is a seed that is there by faith. It's not the natural seed, but it's the children of faith. It's the children who are believers. It is the children who have embraced God and said, so we believe God. And because we believe God, it is faith that has initiated or applied or appropriated this salvation that God has secured for us. That's just powerful to me. But I want to read Romans 11 because a lot of people want to throw that one up in our faces a lot of time because I, I, God doesn't exclude anybody. He just simply says whosoever will. But there is only one way into the covenants of promise. But it goes on to say in verse number uh, 1, chapter 11, book of, of Romans, does, I'm reading from the Message Bible. Does this mean then that God is fed up with Israel that He'll have nothing more to do with them? Hardly. Remember that I, the one writing these things, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham out of the tribe of Benjamin. You can't get more Semitic than that. So we're not talking about repudiation. God has been too long involved with Israel, has too much invested to simply wash his hands of them. Do you remember that time Elijah was agonizing over this same Israel and cried in prayer, God, they murdered your prophets. They crashed your altars. I'm the only one left and now they're, they're after me. And do you remember God's answer? I still have 7,000 who haven't quit. 7,000 who are loyal to the finish. It's the same today. There's a fiercely loyal minority still. Not many perhaps, but probably more than you think. 
they're holding on not because of what they think they're going to get out of it, but because they're convinced of God's grace and purpose in choosing them. If they were only thinking of their own immediate self-interest, they would have left long ago. And then what happens? Well, when Israel tried to be right with God on their own pursuing her own self-interest, she didn't succeed. The chosen ones of God were those who let God pursue His interest in them, and as a result received His stamp of, of legitimacy. The self-interest Israel became thick-skinned toward God. Moses and Isaiah both commented on this, fed up with their quarrelsome, self-centered ways. God blurred their eyes, dulled their ears, shut them in on themselves in a hall of mirrors, and they're there to this day. David was upset about the same thing. He said, I hope they get sick eating self-deserving meals, self-serving meals, I'm sorry, break a leg walking their self-serving ways. I hope they go blind staring in their mirrors, get ulcers from playing at God. The next question is, are they down for the count? Are they out then for good? And the answer is a clear-cut no. Ironically, when they walked out, they left the door open and the outsiders walked in. But the next thing you know, the Jews were starting to wonder if perhaps they'd walked out on a good thing. Now, if their leaving triggered the worldwide coming of non-Jewish outsiders to God's kingdom, just imagine the effect of their coming back. What a homecoming. But if I don't want to go on, but I don't want to go on about them. It's, your, it's you, the outsiders, that I'm concerned with, Gentiles. Because my personal assignment is focused on the so-called outsiders. I make as much of this as I can when I'm among my Israelite kin, so that the so-called insiders, hoping they'll realize what they're missing and want to get in on what God is doing. If their falling out initiated this worldwide coming together, their recovery is going to be set off something even better, mass homecoming. If the first thing the Jews did, even though it was wrong for them, turned out for your good, just think what's going to happen when they get it right. Behind and underneath all this, there is a holy God-planted, God-tended root. Now that's what I'm after, is the God-planted, God-tended root. The emphasis here is not on the branches as much as it is on who is the root. Now we know that Jesus is the root and the vine. We are the branches. Jesus told him that long, I'm, I'm, the, I, I'm the stem, I, I, you know, I'm the root out of the stem of Jesse. In other words, he is the root. root. That the root is the emphasis here. And it, it goes on to say, behind and underneath is all this God, all, behind and underneath all this, there is a holy God planted, God tended root. If the primary root of the tree is holy, there's bound to be some holy fruit. Some of the tree's branches were pruned, and you wild olive shoots were grafted in. Yet the fact that you were now fed by that rich and holy root gives you no cause to crow over the pruned branches. Remember, you aren't feeding the root. The root is feeding you. It's certainly possible to say other branches were pruned so that I could be grafted in. Well and good, but they were pruned because they were dead wood no longer connected by belief and commitment to the root. So faith is what connects us to the root which is Christ Jesus. And because they rejected uh, the root, they became dead wood and God cut them out. Uh, the only reason you're on the tree is because your graft took. When you believed, your graft took when you believed. So faith is what grafted you into this root. The only reason you're on the tree is because your graft took when you believed and because you're connected to that belief-nurturing root. 
So don't get cocky and strut your branch. Be humbly mindful of the root and keep that keeps you lithe and green. If God didn't think twice about taking prunes, a pruning shears to the natural branches, why would he hesitate over you? He wouldn't give it a second thought. Make sure you stay alert to these qualities of gentle kindness and ruthless severity that exist side by side in God. Ruthless with the dead wood, gentle with the grafted root. But uh, I'm sorry, gentle with the grafted shoot. But don't presume on the gentleness the moment you become dead wood, you're out of there. And don't get to feeling superior to those pruned branches down on the ground. If they don't persist in remaining deadwood, they could very well get grafted back in. God can do that. He can perform miracle grafts. Why, if He could graft you in branches cut out from a tree out in the wild into an orchard tree, He certainly isn't going to have any trouble grafting branches back into the tree. They grew from the first place. Just glad you're in the tree. Just be glad you're in the tree and hope for the best for others. Uh, complete Israel. I want to, to lay all this out on the table as clearly as I can, friends. This is complicated. It would be easy to misinterpret what's going on and arrogantly assume that you're royalty and they're just rabble. Out on their ears for good, but that's not it at all. This hardness on the part of the insiders or the Jews, Israel, toward God is temporary. Its effect is to open things up to all outsiders so that we end up with a full house. Before it's all over, there will be a complete Israel, a complete Israel, made up of Jew and Gentile, Jew and Gentile believers. The issue here is whether or not you're a believer. The issue or not is whether you're in Christ. The issue or not is not the fact that you're a branch. It's are you connected to the root and to the vine. That's what makes the difference of whether you're a Jew or not, whether you're Jewish and your nationality or, or you're American. If you're not connected to the root. That's not replacement theology, that's placement theology, and all of us need to be placed in Christ no matter whether Jew or Gentile, Jew or bond. He goes on to say that this hardness on the part of Israel toward God is temporary. Its effect is to open things up for all the outsiders so that we end up with a full house. Before it's all over, there will be a complete Israel. As, as it is written, a champion will stride down from Mount Zion. He'll clean house in Jacob. And this is my commitment to my people, removal of their sins. From your point of view, as you hear and embrace the good news of the message, it looks like the Jews are God's enemies. But looked at from the long-range perspective of God's overall purpose, they remain God's oldest friends. God's gifts and calls are under full warranty, never canceled or rescinded. There was a time not so long ago when you were on the outs with God, but then the Jews slammed the door on him and things opened up for you. Now they are on the outs, but with the door held wide open for you, they have a way back in in one way or another. God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be on the God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be on the outside so that we can personally open the door and welcome us back in. Can I tell you the door that's open is Jesus. He is the door. He's the way in. Whether it's Jew, Gentile, your natural descent makes no difference. There's only one way into the covenants of promise, and that's through believing in Jesus Christ. And the wide open door is open still for Jews and Gentiles. God did not exclude them. He just drew a bigger circle and says, hey, there's only one way in, and that's through the blood of Jesus. And then it goes on to say, 
that God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be on the outside so that we can personally open the door and welcome us back in. Have you ever come on anything quite this extravagantly generous of God? This deep, deep wisdom, it's way over our heads. We'll never figure it out. Is there anyone who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell Him what to do? Anyone who does him such a huge favor that God has to ask his advice. Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory. Always praise. Yes, yes, yes. So to me, this whole story in Romans 11 is about restoration that comes, not just nationalistic, but through the root. The issue here is not the branches. The issue is what are you connected to? So when they're saying they're Jews in the book of Revelation and they are not born again, they are liars. They are synagogues of Satan. The scripture bears that out. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. If you read it in Galatians, the fourth chapter, where it talks about, even it talks about that uh, in the Amplified Bible, it talks about that uh, the, there, there were two mountains, one gender to bondage, which is Mount Sinai. It is Hagar, which is in Arabia. And the natural descent or the natural seed, God calls them Ishmael in the book of Galatians chapter 4, and the spiritual seed He calls Isaac, that which is born of supernatural birth. Isaac came by supernatural birth. If you've got a supernatural birth, you've been born again, then you are in Isaac and that seed is called. I believe that goes on to further show you how that you'll find in Revelation, the seventh chapter, when you see that there was 144,000 people sealed out of the 12 tribes that were in Israel. If you look at that genealogy, it starts not with Reuben, who would be the firstborn of the natural seed. It starts with Judah. It is evident our Lord sprang out of Judah. And so it starts out in that lineage in Revelation chapter 7 by saying out of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Out of the tribe then, and it lists the other tribes. So it starts out by showing you something that's unprecedented. Any other time in the scripture where it talks about the natural lineage, it always starts with the firstborn. The firstborn of this new species is Jesus Christ, our Lord, sprang out of Judah. That's the Jewish nation that we sprang out of. So this 144,000 to me that are in the book of Revelation are the first fruits unto God. They are the first ones who simply become part of a spiritual house who are born again. They are the first fruits unto God. They are the people that were the first ones to receive the message of the goodness of the grace of God. There's a whole house, a whole house of Israel. Uh, th th I love that in Romans 11, that there will be a complete, a complete house, a complete house made of Jew, Gentile, bond-free, where it's not about nationality, where there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond or free, but in Christ, hallelujah, we are all one in Christ. That breaks down the middle wall partition. I'm telling you, if we could get past a lot of this ethnic issues and racial issues, even among the church world with Jew and Gentile, I believe it bring a lot of peace in the Middle East. There's only one way in, folks. That's all I'm saying. There's only one way in, and that's Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, He's the only way in. He's the door that was left wide open for Jews and Gentiles. He's the root. We must be connected to Him. It's been great sharing this with you. We're going to move on to the Church of Pergamos in the next segment. But take a moment to call the number on the screen and sow a seat into the ministry. You can do it via credit card or whatever. Uh, don't think a small gift is unimportant. It helps us carry the gospel around the world. Thanks for joining in. Tell your friends about us, and God bless you till we meet again. This series is about living life in the context of sonship. Jesus is recognized as a son in the River Jordan by his father. 
Flowing from his identity as a son, Jesus comes up out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit with incredible demonstrations of the miraculous. He introduces to his followers the new covenant idea that God is more than just an austere judge. He is our Father. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Let us awaken to our true identity and set creation free.